0: Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Welcome. How's everybody doing? You like air conditioning? Yeah, me too. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We are wrapping up our series in John, and I want to welcome everybody here in Benicia campus, those in our Vallejo campus, or those joining us online. Um, We're finishing up this series that we've been going the last 14 weeks all the way through summer through the Gospel of John. And I want to start off today uh, with a question. Actually, confession time, all right? Not me. You're going to do this. Um, And I'm going to start with the guys, okay? Because we're going to start with the men in the room first off. Um, Show of hands, how many here don't bother to read instructions, you just jump right in and go ahead and do the job? (laughs) All right, yeah, it's it's pretty typical. Uh, How does that work out for you? How many have ever gotten, like, most of the way through that project or whatever it is and realized you got to start all over again. Yeah. Okay. Um, actually I'll kind of open it up women. You can participate in that because, uh, you maybe have some projects or whatnot that you've started in and then gotten like maybe halfway, maybe more than halfway through. And all of a sudden you realize it's not turning out the way that it's supposed to. And you got to start all over again. Anybody? Yeah. Okay. A few. Um, I I asked that question because it's, it's one of those things it's one thing if it's a, a project or like an IKEA furniture deal, which they're the worst. You know, I just say, because their instructions are just a picture book and they're no help anyway. Um, but it, it's one thing if it's a project or, or furniture put together, something like that. It's a whole different thing in life. Like you come to a point in your life and because of a decision that you made, maybe it was, maybe it was vocational, maybe it was relational, Uh, maybe a financial decision you made, but you you find yourself in a spot and you realize it's not turning out the way that it should. And you're wondering, how do I start over again? I bet, actually, if we did a show of hands this morning, I bet every one of us could say, I've been there. Maybe some of you are carrying regret from things way back in your past that you just can't get past. Or maybe you're here today and you're, you're kind of at one of those junctions, one of those... Uh, turning points in which you realize, I, I got to make a change. I got to start all over again. How do you do that? We're going through this gospel of John and we're ending up um, at the very end, this very last chapter of, God, uh, of John. And here's the thing about, you find this all the way through the Bible, in fact, in the Old Testament, New Testament is filled with stories of people who had a bad first beginning that their first time ended in failure, but God took that, redeemed it, and actually did better the second time. And, and that's the thing that I wanted to take, give to you today is, how do you do that? How do you, how do you keep from just repeating the same bad the choices, the ba- same bad decisions, making the same mistakes? How do you keep from just repeating that cycle, and how do you actually stop, break the cycle, and start over? And there's some things in this story that we're going to look at. It's the very last chapter of the book of John. And it's very interesting because if you read chapter 20, you kind of get the impression John is winding things down. This is the end of the story. And it ends in chapter 20, except there's one more chapter. And it's almost like, it almost comes across like John thought, oh, wait, wait, there's one more story I've got to tell you. I know it sounds like we were at the end, but, but there's one more thing. I can't leave this out. And that's in chapter 21, and it's one of those stories on which one who had really messed up and failed miserably gets a second chance. And the way that Jesus walks Peter through that process is going to be a help for you if you find yourself at a place where you need to start over. Or if you have a past that you're just dealing with the shame and regret, and you just can't seem to get over it, there's a way that you can start over. So we're going to take it up, uh, John chapter 21. And let me give you a little bit of the background. Um, it's after the resurrection. Jesus has actually already appeared twice previously to his, who is, to his apostles. Um, but now it's about a week or so, maybe two weeks later. We don't really know exactly. Um, but Peter and some of his fisherman disciple friends have gone back home. They're actually back in their hometown. And, and they're kind of hanging around. And it's just kind of like, okay, well, now what? You know, where, where do we go from here? And uh, this is where it happens in John chapter 21, verse 3. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered, and thank you so much for asking. No, that Part's not in there. Um, He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, jumped into the water, and he actually swam to shore, leaving the other guys to bring in the haul of fish. Okay? But they get there. Jesus has prepared breakfast for them. So they sit around, they have a breakfast together, and then afterward, Jesus takes Peter aside. And this is where we pick it up in verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. A third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Now, if you're not familiar with the story, and many of us are, maybe raised in Sunday school and all that, you know kind of story. But for those of you who don't, let me give you a little bit of background. Um, Peter was one of the top three closest followers of Jesus. Um, he, Peter, James, and John were very often um, taken with Jesus beyond the other 12 and the other nine and, uh, and spent some extra time with him. So, so Jesus had really poured into to Peter, and Peter on the night that Jesus was arrested, actually denied knowing Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. And Jesus had actually warned him ahead of time, this is what's going to happen. And Peter said, no, Lord, never. I would never deny you. I would, even, even if everyone else betrays you, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. I will die with you if I have to. And then sure enough, that night, exactly like Jesus had told him, he denied Jesus three times. So now... We pick up the story. It's after the resurrection. Jesus has already met with the disciples a couple of times. But, but there's this unfinished business. And it has to do with, with Peter and specifically with helping Peter get back to where he needs to be and to really start over. And, and as we kind of take it apart and, and unpack it a little bit, there's, there's a process here. And it's a process that you and I and a pattern that you and I can follow when we get to that point where we need to start over. And it starts with this. You start by immersing yourself in God's grace. Now, we talk a lot about God's grace around here because we really do believe that it is the one thing that we are absolutely dependent on. It is vital. It is about grace from beginning to end. And so Peter has to kind of step back into God's grace. He had been that first-round draft pick, if you will, an MVP of the disciples. If, he, if they had taken a poll back in those days about that, he probably would have been, invited, been voted most likely to succeed because he's the one who has all the answers. Do you remember, like, in school, there was all that one kid in class that always raised his hand and always knew the answer? Just drove you crazy, didn't he? Well, Peter was kind of that guy. When, when Jesus uh, asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? Well, they all had different opinions. And then Jesus turned and said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, oh, me, Lord, me, Lord, me, Lord. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. He's the first one to say that. When other disciples were kind of drifting away now from Jesus and leaving him because the teachings got kind of hard, Jesus turned to the 12 and he said, do you want to leave too? And Peter's the one that said, Lord, where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. He's the one who had been up front, the spokesman, if you will, for all the disciples, and yet he failed miserably, not once, not twice, but three times, even though he had been told ahead of time. And now Jesus comes looking for him. And he doesn't come looking for him to just beat him up over the whole thing. He doesn't come looking for him to turn him over his lap and give him a spanking. He doesn't give, come to give him a scolding. He comes in him because he loves him. And Peter needs to be restored because it's one thing to be told you're forgiven. It's another thing to feel like you are back in that relationship again. And grace is about more than just forgiveness. Grace is really about a relationship. And that's why Jesus asks him, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Now, more than these, we don't know what the these are. Is he saying, do you love me more than these fish that you just hauled in? Do you love me more than your business? Do you love me more than the other disciples? Do you love me? We don't know who the these is. The real question is the love part of it. Because that's about the relationship. And what needs to happen here is that Peter needs to be restored into the relationship. And so he asks him, do you love me? That's the question of grace. Do you love me? We'll work out all the other stuff, but, but are we good relationally? He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But he's still feeling the guilt and the shame and the regret. And, and Jesus seems to I, kind of poke at it a little bit. It says, again, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Not just again, but a third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he goes on and says that Peter was hurt. Peter was hurt because he asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. What is Jesus doing? Is he picking at him? Is he poking at him? Is he playing mind games with him? Is he, is he kind of rubbing his nose in the whole thing? I don't think so. I think what he's doing is something that's very important, and it's really the first step to starting over, is he's helping Peter and making Peter Own up. You got to own up. Because you will never be able to move forward unless you realize what it is that you've done, unless you admit what it is that you have done. And I think, as difficult as it is and as hard as it is for Peter, what Jesus is doing is he's bringing him back to where he had failed. Because he's got to own up to it. Now, that is the last thing in the world that we ever want to do. We would rather blame other people or it's not my fault or I just thought, you know, it just kind of happened to me. And we try to make excuses or deny or avoid the whole thing. And we've got to own up. One of my least favorite things is, is going to the dentist. And, and it's not so much the drilling part that, you know, they numb you all up for that. It's the teeth cleaning part. And the reason it bothers me so much is because it's, it's, it's an exercising guilt is what it is. You know what I'm talking about? You know, like, so they're cleaning the teeth, you know, and of course the lower teeth, the backside, you know, that's the worst part for me. And always, you know, I always get the same question. So, how much coffee do you drink? You know, and then on top of that one, the really bad one, the really bad one is, you know what it is. How often do you floss? Now, is there anybody else in this room who's ever lied about how much you floss? Yeah. In fact, when I know I've got an appointment coming up, I like for like 2 weeks ahead of time, I start flossing every day cuz I know the question's coming. And I can't lie cuz I'm a pastor. So <laughs> So for 2 weeks I do it really really well. So then when I come and they ask me how often do you floss? I can say every day. For the last 2 weeks, you know. <laughs> but I don't want to I don't want to own up. And it's not just that. It's 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 all the way, all across the board. We don't want to own up. We would rather excuse or deny or or blame or something else. And, And I think what Jesus is doing is he's making Peter face up to what he's done. But it's a very important part of the healing process. Because your failure or your mistake or your struggle needs to be brought out, admitted, and then you can move on. If you don't do that, you will continue to repeat those same cycles and make the same bad decisions and keep going through the same motions over and over again because you never stop to say, wait a minute, this, this is not good. And so I think that's what Jesus is doing. And Peter is hurt because he asked him a third time because Peter knows what he's getting at. But for every time that Peter had denied, Jesus gives him the opportunity to affirm his love. And that's part of that healing process. And here's the thing, and why grace is so important, because God's grace is the one safe place I can take my failures. Because I know that He loves me. And I know that there's forgiveness, and I know that there is restoration. And any time you have failed, any time you have uh, made that mistake, any time you have sinned, the first thing you need to do is run to grace. Immerse yourself in God's grace because that is an essential first step. After that, then take that thing and make that mistake a part of your life mission. You make your mistakes a part of your mission because because very often it's your greatest failures that God can redeem and use as a part of your greatest calling because that's what the resurrection is all about, that God takes us in our sin in our struggles, in our weaknesses, in our failures. And he not only forgives us, he redeems us, which means he makes it valuable once again. The whole story starts because Peter has kind of figured out he's got no future as an apostle. And he goes back home. And the story opens with him and his his disciple buddies hanging out. And it starts with, I'm going to fish. I'm going to fish. And they said, we'll go with you. Now, two things about that. Why is it that he would go fishing? I think it's because he's going back to the thing that he knows best and the thing that he can feel good about himself once again. He's failed. He's washed up. He's disqualified maybe as an apostle. But I do know how to fish. So I'm going back to what I know I can do. The beautiful thing is the other guys with him say, we'll go with you. And I think that's so important. It's an important part of the story because it just reminds us how desperately we need community. That we need to be in community. We need to be a part of a, a community group. We need to be a part of our regular gatherings for worship. We need to be connected with other believers because when you fail, and you will fail, you need other people who won't abandon you. You need other people who will say, I'm here with you. And you build those relationships so that they are there When you need them in those times of failure. I think the thing with Peter is he had tons of self-confidence. He was never short of an opinion. He was always up front and first to volunteer. He had all kinds of self-confidence. I think what he didn't have enough of is God confidence. And and he had to get broken of his self-confidence... So that he would learn to rely more on God. And I've seen that very often the case. Even in my own life. In ministry. That when I start operating on my own self-confidence. I can only go so far. When you start doing it all on your own strength. You can only go so far. And eventually there will be that failure. Eventually there will be that time of breaking. And that breaking is a big important part of the process. Because I think, had Peter not been broken by his failure, he would not be open to what God really had for him. So with each affirmation, actually, Jesus gives him an assignment. He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, in each time, three different things. Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Now, this all happened, like I said in the very same seashore that Jesus had first called Peter. And and actually, when Jesus first called Peter, there was another miraculous catch of fish that Jesus had instructed them on. And that's when Jesus said to him, Now, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, a fisher of men, that's probably something Peter said, I can do that. I know how to fish. I know what fishing's all about. Don't know much about the men part, but I know the fishing part. So I'm with you. All that self-confidence. But now, after the breaking, actually, Jesus gives him a different assignment. No longer is it about fishers of men. Now it's, take care of my lambs. Feed my sheep. Take care of my sheep. He knew everything about fishing. He knew nothing about shepherding. But, because he had gone through that breaking point, I believe he is better prepared now to be a shepherd than he had been prepared before to be a fisherman. Because there is something that happens in those failures, in those breaking points that changes you. And two things particularly happen. One is a greater sense of humility. And the second is a deeper sense of calling. Calling. That there is something that happens when we go through those times of failures. And this is part of that restoration redeeming process. Is that now, now I, 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 I look at people differently. See, when I'm, when I'm on top of my game and I'm a success and it's all going good. And I don't have any mistakes and I don't have any failures. It's real easy to sit from the mountaintop and look at all these other people. Why can't they get their act together? But once you've been broken. And once you've experienced that failure. And you understand what it's like to be in that position. I think it fundamentally changes how you relate to other people. I know it's happened in my own life. My own disappointments, my own failures, my own mistakes have changed me to be a much better pastor. In fact, you could probably ask any member of our pastoral staff who would tell you that it was a time of breaking that was not pleasant, that was difficult to go through. But it fundamentally changed how they serve as a pastor. And some of the best pastors I've ever known are pastors who have been through a time of breaking, a time of failure, mistakes, time of weakness. Because what it does is it brings you down to the level of everybody else. And that's why around here we stress so much this idea of being a grace-filled community and that we're all people in process. So we all know that we're all on the same page, pastors as well as everybody else. Nobody's higher than anybody else in this. We're all just learning Together. And I think had Peter not gone through that breaking, he would not be prepared for the ministry that God had for him as a shepherd of God's people, the church. So starting over means owning up, but then also examining to say, okay, God, how could you use this? How might God use this failure of mine to help somebody else? and very often the thing that you are most embarrassed about the thing that you've had the most difficulty with the greatest failure in your life can very often be the very thing that would help somebody else and i think that's what jesus is doing here and then the third thing is now you keep following you keep following on your own journey of faith because i'm going to tell you whatever failures in your past they are not the last ones Moving forward, you will fail, you will stumble, you will have disappointment, you will struggle and all that. Sometimes you will have great success and sometimes you will feel like an abject failure. But God is writing your life story. In fact, God and you are co-authoring this life story. There's an old saying, it says, never put a period where God has put a comma. And it's so important to realize that that story is continuing to be written. And... And with the successes, there will also be failures. But here's the thing. Knowing that God can redeem your failures can give you a greater sense of of confidence about whatever failures there might be in the future because you know that... Not that you would go out and try to fail, but you know that if you should fall on your face, He is there to pick you back up. If you should totally blow it, He is there to still redeem it and restore it. So you can move forward in that faith. When when Jesus reinstates him, He doesn't give him a happily ever after speech. In fact, just the opposite. He tells him, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. But when you're old, others will direct you, take you where you don't want to go. Now, before Peter's denial, Jesus had warned him. But back then, Peter didn't want to hear it. No, no, I got this, Lord. No, no, no. And, And by the way, isn't that very often the case? When you're full of self-confidence, nobody else's advice matters. You don't need anybody else's counsel or wisdom. You know what you're doing. You're going to do it. It's going to be fine. I, don't want to, I got it all under control. And then you fall flat on your face, and all of a sudden, you're a little bit more open to other people's wisdom. <laughs> and now Jesus is giving Peter a warning. He's saying, okay, this is a new mission for you. Now you're going to shepherd my people. But I'm just telling you, it's not always going to be easy. And in fact you're going to end up following me in death as well. But I think this time, Peter's listening. This time, he's paying attention. says that Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. But then he said to him, follow me. The very same words he had used the very first time he met Peter. Just keep following me through the successes, through the failures, through the, through the great times and through the difficult times. Just keep following. And that's the thing for you and me. We own it. We examine it and learn from it. And then move forward. Move forward. Keep following. And when you do it, that's the life of faith. That's that journey. It, it's, it's trusting God, not just with my past failures, but knowing I can trust him with my future failures as well. And and, and by the way, your story is going to be different than anybody else's. Your experiences are going to be unique to you. Your failures will probably be unique to you. But that's all part of God's bigger redemptive story. And and it's those things that, that, that God uses to make your story so compelling and use your story to tell his bigger story of restoration and forgiveness and redemption. So you can start over. You can take whatever failures, whatever mistakes, and you know that not only are you forgiven, but you are redeemed and restored. And God can take those mistakes and use them for his good purposes, use them to help other people, and you can keep moving forward. And even though your story is not like somebody else's story, in fact, very often it will not be. Sometimes you will look at somebody else's life and say, how come they have it so easy and I have it so hard? How come they don't seem to have trouble with this stuff and I keep messing up at this? In fact, that's kind of what Peter does through this whole thing. As they're walking along the seashore, Peter turns around and he sees that John is following him. And he says to Jesus, Lord, what about him? You told me about my future, but but what about this guy? And Jesus says, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. What is that to you? W-I-T-T-Y, witty, okay? I want to remember that. Next time you find yourself comparing your journey with somebody else's, your struggles with somebody else's, your failures with somebody else's, your successes with anybody else. anytime you start comparing yourself to anybody else and you start thinking, okay, God, how come it's different for them than it is for me? Just remember Jesus' words. What is that to you? That's their story. That's their struggle. That's their hurt. That's their pain. That's their disappointment. That's their failure. That's their success. But you, you just keep following me. And what God promises is that no experience is wasted. That God can redeem every aspect of your life, every experience, every failure of your life. He can redeem and bring about good and give you that chance to start over. Would you bow your heads with me? And again, in our Vallejo campus, your campus director is going to walk you through this time now. It's a time of decision it's a time of response and we do this every week because I believe God's word brings about response so here's my question for you if you're here today and you're at a point where you realize I gotta make some changes this is not turning out the way that it's supposed to I need to start over <laughs> or you find yourself here today still struggling with regret or shame or feelings of guilt from something way back when, and you've just never gotten past your past. You can bring all of those things to Him right now. And just simply say, God, I own up to this. And and, and I don't want to repeat those same patterns. I want to learn from this. And if you could use anything like this so that I could help somebody else, I'm available. And if you're here today and you're willing to make that decision, would you just raise your hand, hold it up. When you do, actually look up, catch my eye Someone I want to acknowledge you. Yeah, 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 yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe it's a first-time decision for you. Maybe the reason you're here is you know that life's not working out the way that it should, that you've not been doing it the way you know it should be done, and and your mistakes and your failures are, are the whole reason you came here because you realize, I can't do this in my own, and I can't go back and undo my past. What I need, God, is a fresh start from you today, and maybe you've never done this before, but you can take a first step of faith, and it's really the same thing. You own up to it. You ask for His forgiveness. You immerse yourself in his grace and you just say, Lord, I'm going to follow you. And if you've never done that before, but today in a first step of faith, you're willing to say, God, I give up. I need your forgiveness. I want to put my life in your hands. Would you do the same thing? Raise your hand. Hold it up. Catch my eye. First time. Never done this before. All right. Yeah. I'm going to invite you to join me in this prayer. Lord, we've raised our hands because we know we can't do this on our own. But whether it's a first time decision or just this something in my past or just what I'm dealing with right now, our prayer is the same. We need your grace. We own up to it, we realize it's our fault, it's our mistake. We need your forgiveness. But more than your forgiveness, we also need you in our lives. So we are turning ourselves over to you. We're saying, by your grace and by your strength, we will follow you. So do that, Lord, in each of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.